need to have, begin with a word of prayer. Gracious Father, you have said that if we have a, a grasp of the principles of the book of Revelation and Daniel, that we'll have a deeper and a richer experience. And so we ask that your Holy Spirit might teach us as a group, as we study, as we discuss. And I believe that you will. You're, you're more willing to teach us than even we are to learn. But we ask for your Holy Spirit. You've promised that if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so we ask, and I know that you will not give sticks and stones, but you'll give us the very gift that you've promised, and we thank you for it. Help our unbelief. We do believe. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, in uh, in John uh, John uh, chapter five, uh, we have uh, we have the the uh, comment by Christ in verse thirty nine. He says, uh, "You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life." And then, what was his application? They are they which testify of me. And I believe every book of the Old Testament, the central figure in all of them, either history or prophecy, whatever it might be, or even your, your basic laws of existence, the central figure is Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, there's another one. I've got another one coming up here. If this thing... I'm hoping it will come here. <laughs> Did you see? Yeah, okay, so maybe. All right. Um, well, what's interesting there is we use this phrase search the scriptures a lot, but he was using it in a negative context where they were searching the scriptures yes. and thinking that they had eternal life because they were doing that. Okay, yes. But yeah. they were missing Christ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> completely. Missed him completely. What? Works of the law. Works of the law, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And many today do the same. Um, they miss Christ in the Old Testament. Um, and we don't want to miss him. They uh, the what? They reading the book of Yes, yeah, we, yes. Uh -huh. yeah. Your, your, your conservatives even today do the same, but um, your liberals, it doesn't matter to them, but, uh, but your conservatives will, are very cautious in, uh, in the book of Daniel. Where your Okay, yeah. 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 Is there a danger for us as Seventh day Adventists to miss Christ? And I need, we need to be careful here. Uh, doctrine is being put down today, but some of it is for uh, a good reason in that people have zeroed in on doctrine as an argumentation and to, to actually to miss an experience with Christ. Okay, yes. Either lead us to. Yes. 
either lead us to Christ or to uh, to come from Him outward. Yeah, yeah there should be uh, uh, both, uh, but He He should be the center of it. Christ is the center of every doctrine and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can break that realm of inspiration. I think that's, you know, what they were kind of doing, the tradition of the fathers. They yes. The tradition of the fathers was more important than what the scripture actually said. Yes, many times. Did yes. you have that list as well? Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, our, in, during the uh, say from the 1860s to about 1880, uh, somewhere in that range, Ellen White spoke about the preaching of the preaching at that time was uh, drier than the hills of Gilboa without doing a rain. But they were winning almost every debate. Adventists, I mean, if you use logic, uh, premise, premise, and conclusion, and they, they won almost every debate. I remember one, one of the men was uh, Moses Hall. He was probably the best debater that we've ever had. And he, would, he won, almost, I think, nearly every, uh, every argument including spiritualists. He would hunt up spiritualists to debate them and defeat them. And Ellen White warned him. She says, you're on dangerous ground because you're dealing with the mind of the devil. He paid no attention to her. He continued to win debates with spiritualists, but the devil finally got him. He went so far as to say that Christ was wrong and the devil was right. This is amazing. But, but he, had, he had an argumentative uh, mind, and he, he knew how to, how to debate, and, uh, but it destroyed him. Yeah, you, did you have a thought? Yeah, I did. I was going to say, I mean, in my own personal experience when it came to doctrine, um, I wasn't raised Adventist. And so when we started learning a lot of the distinctive doctrines that the Adventists teach, it gave us a different view of who God actually is and who Jesus actually is. Okay. It gave us the right picture of the character of God and of Jesus, and that was what won us over. Okay. For example, like the state of the dead in hell and understanding that... God isn't the kind of God that's going to take someone from their family prematurely because he wants them in heaven, or he's not going to burn the wicked for eternity. Yeah. So really, a lot of ways, doctrine is such a key part of understanding who God is. Yeah, okay, good. That's, that's a, a, good, a good point. I remember when I was in college, I, I, uh, one year uh, I stayed with a man. His name was uh, Charlie Brown. <laughs> and uh, his, his wife had passed away. And uh, he wanted the Seventh-day Adventists to stay with him. He was lonely, you know, and he just wanted some fellowship and that type of thing. So he's, and he contacted the Adventist uh, college. He said, I want an Adventist who doesn't drink or smoke. So they asked me if I would go and stay with him. I said, sure. And we used to have tremendous visits together every, every evening after supper. And he, uh, what, this one evening, he said, Jerry... A little, I need to back up a little bit. He said, uh, my wife and I were deeply in love. He was in his 80s, still working. But he said, we'd prayed that, uh, that she would go before I, because he, he says, we knew that she couldn't take care of me, but I could take care of her until she died. And that's the way it was. And then he says, uh, <clears throat> but she's in heaven now, <clears throat> you know, looking over at me and things like this. And I, and <clears throat> I didn't say anything. And he said, you told me that, didn't you? I said, no. <laughs> he said, I know you did. I said, Charlie, I, I know I didn't. I know you told me that she's in heaven. I said, Charlie, I couldn't have told you that. He said, well, why not? Because I said, I don't believe it. <laughs> and, and then I said, now listen. I said, you two were deeply in love. 
And if, you're, if your wife is in heaven, she's looking at the misery that you're going through right now. Would heaven be a heavy, uh, happy place for her to see your agony and, uh, <clears throat> and that? And he looked at me, he said, you have schoolwork to, to do, don't you? <laughs> he, would not, he would not venture any farther on that because it was a, uh, I, I, don't, it, I don't see how you get comfort out of it, but some people have been able to do it. <clears throat> but anyhow, okay. Yes, it could very well be, yeah. And of course, the Lord will know his heart, and uh, he was he was a really a dear man. But uh, okay, maybe maybe we'll go now with this. <clears throat> We're dealing with uh, Christ in Daniel, and uh, <clears throat> here uh, these are five. I've got more than this, but we're going to look at a, an overview of Christ in the book of Daniel. We're going to look at the mystery of God in chapter two. The word secret is translated as mystery in many different translations and in the Greek uh, Old Testament. And uh, it's the same word that's used in the New Testament, the, the mystery of God, of Christ in you, the hope of glory, and some of these things. We'll, we'll look at some of this as we get into it. We look at the conversion of a king. It took four chapters. Uh, each chapter, you can see uh, how the Lord was working with Nebuchadnezzar. It took God nearly the whole lifetime of Nebuchadnezzar, but he finally got him. Chapter 4 is it's a public document. Daniel did not write uh, chapter 4. It's a public do document that he took out of the archives or wherever it was and put it in the Bible. But it's the conversion experience of Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, I want this to go to the whole world. <laughs> and so we'll, we'll take a look at it as, as uh, we get into it. And we're going to look at what Belshazzar knew. He was the grandson. That's in chapter 5. And we'll uh, take a look at what, how much he knew and what he had rejected. And then uh, the bringing in the everlasting covenant, that's our, the everlasting righteousness in chapter 9 in, during that 70-week period of time. And there'll be other things that we'll be looking at, but these are the, uh, this is kind of the direction we'll be headed. Unless you have questions or observations, and we may get slowed down, whatever. Uh, here, this is, I mentioned this earlier, that uh, well, we read this in, in uh, John 5.39, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which uh, that uh, testify of me. And, um, and then we're going to look at the purpose of prophecy. Um, Christ is the purpose of prophecy, and um, the purpose is that, that uh, Christ will be formed within, and we're to be in Christ, he's to be in us. In 1 Peter 1, we'll look at that one, I think I've got the next slide here. Uh, uh, Peter said that we have a more sure word of prophecy. And he says we do well to take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Now, who is the day star? It has to be Christ. So the purpose of prophecy, the purpose of Daniel, is that that prophetic light will shine into our minds and our hearts till Christ is formed within the hope of glory. That's the purpose of Daniel and all of the prophecies. Then in Colossians 1.27, um, it said, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you think Christ is dwelling in Daniel? Yeah. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, dwelt within Daniel. That's what gave him his wisdom and understanding and the righteousness of Christ that surrounded him. 
So uh, in this, we have uh, Christ in the book of Daniel, you in Christ, and Christ in you. And uh, <clears throat> this is the purpose of the book of Daniel. Um, that, that's the overall picture. And then this uh, testimony, we mentioned this earlier, uh, Testimonies of Ministers 114, when the books of Daniel and Revelation are better understood, believers will have an entirely different religious experience. I want to have that <laughs> more and more. The more we study, the more that kind of experience we can have uh, in these wonderful books. Uh, Daniel was a favorite of Jesus. He began his ministry in the book of Daniel, and he ended his ministry in the book of Daniel. And he got his title. I think I have it. Yeah, the title, the Son of Man, his most favorite title in the New Testament is the Son of Man. Chapter 7 of the book of Daniel gives us that, the, the Son of Man coming to the Ancient of Days. And um, I mentioned here that, that he, uh, um, he began and ended his preaching of the gospel with uh, thoughts from the book of uh, Daniel. And these are the two here. Maybe uh, I've got it written down, but let, let's take a look at this. In John chapter, or not John, Mark uh, chapter 1. This is right after his baptism. Actually, it could have been right after the, uh, well, it was after John was put in prison. And, uh, and <clears throat> he says that uh, in verse 14, after John had been put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, what time was fulfilled? What, what was the only time that could be fulfilled? 70-week prophecy. That's the only one. There's, there's nothing that, that comes close uh, to that. And this would be dealing with his baptism. And then, in fact, in the, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the, uh, the whole um, the time element of, Christ, of the Christ's death is outlined and given. The Passover gives the, the month and the day. And the uh, Christ was crucified at the what hour of the day? Uh, no, that, that was when no, he, he, that's when he died. He was crucified in the morning. What, remember? What? The third hour. Yeah, which would be about nine o'clock in the morning, and then he he. He was on the cross for six hours, and he died at three o'clock in the afternoon. The morning and the these were the times of the morning and the evening sacrifices. And then Daniel gave the, the year thirty one A.D. from chapter nine. So you got the you got the day, the month, the hour, and the year, all from the Old Testament. And I believe that when Christ went to the temple at the age of twelve for the first time. And you remember he stayed back while Joseph and Mary went on. They forgot, they forgot him. And uh, he was questioning the, the experts. And, but at that same time, there were things going on in his mind. Can you imagine at the age of 12, he saw that sacrifice and he said, that is me. <laughs> and I believe that from that time on, from the time he was 12 until he reached the age of 30 when he was baptized, he knew, he knew the hour the day, the month, and the year that he would die. I have, there's no doubt about it. And before he was crucified, you remember they tried to force him to become king. And even his mother, she says, my time is not yet. Or she wasn't trying to force him to be king, but wanted to work a miracle. 
but he kept saying, the time is not yet. The time is not yet. And then we get into John chapter 12 when the, when the Gentiles were coming to him. His disciples came to Christ and they said, uh, they said we would see Jesus. That is when he knew that he was on time because he said, God, save me from this hour. His, his whole emotions were just terribly torn. He knew that he was going into Gethsemane in just a few hours. And, but he knew, and, and so th these were waymarks along the way where he knew that he was on time. And he, he had already heard the, word, the voice of God uh, at his baptism. That looks like it was the first time God ever spoke to him audibly. And then shortly after this, uh, he heard the voice again, this is my son. And uh, so these were things that gave him encouragement that he was interpreting the Old Testament correctly and uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. But he knew ahead of time as well when his baptism was there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, well, he, um, yeah, he would have known the time. His, his public ministry, he knew, that was his public, that was, yeah, in, in the 70 week prophecy, uh, it, it uh, mentioned that. I think I've got a diagram that shows some of this, but it's familiar, most of this is familiar with, uh, with you. Let's go to Mark, uh, not Mark, but Matthew, uh, Matthew 24. We read Mark. That's the beginning of Christ's ministry. It's based solidly on a time prophecy. Now, very similar to Adventism, we are our our movement is based on a time prophecy. It's the same time prophecy, uh, the twenty-three hundred year prophecy. Uh, Christ was on the seventy-week prophecy, but they're both they're both united. You can't they can't be separated. <clears throat> now, Matthew twenty-four, um, in verse uh, verses fourteen and fifteen. Uh, in, in 16, it says, uh, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand that those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And then it goes on. This I'm sure there's an application uh, in 70 AD, but also... Uh, in our time, when we see the abomination being set up in our day, uh, and I think it's being set up, it's, it's not not completed yet, but uh, but we're we're in that uh, in that time frame. So the beginning of Christ's ministry and the ending of it is uh, supported by the Book of Daniel, and the same thing with us. Uh, our beginning and our ending is going to be uh, connected with the Book of Daniel. Um, Daniel testified of Jesus. We mentioned uh, uh, the Son of Man, and then here this is one of the one of the, one of them. There are many of them. Jesus said, "The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost." And then there's another one connected with the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, because He's the Creator. And so these are some of the background for the for Christ's testimony in the New Testament that He was the Son of Man. Um, we already we looked at that. I think I'm coming. Yeah, we already we read this, so we'll we'll. Uh, I'm going to go on down. I've got a couple of here. We're not going to de uh, going to go into detail, but Jesus said, "When you see the abomination of desolation, there's tw uh, twice in the book of Daniel. Well, maybe three times if you go to chapter eight, but two of them, chapter eleven and chapter twelve, deal with the abomination of desolation. And here is eleven thirty one. 
and it says forces, and the marginal references arms, uh, probably military, uh, shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily, and I, the word sac uh, sacrifice is not in the original. You usually find it in italics. But the daily was taken away, and then the abomination was placed. And we believe that the, this next one, this especially in chapter 12, gives the time element. Uh, the time that the daily is taken away and the abomination is, uh, of desolation is set up, there will be a 1,290 days. And we believe this, I'm not going to go into the, into the time frame of this, but we believe it was uh, 508 and that reaches then to uh, 1798, yes. Oh, oh let, let's see if this will do it. Um, hmm. Oh, maybe, yeah, thank you. That would. Oh, that's not good. Have all of them been like this? All of the. Oh, sorry. Well, the only th other thing. Well, I'm going to have to. Uh, huh. Oh, I know. Th this is on, I've got high definition on this. That's not. Uh, it's not. That's what it is. I don't know if I. Change your I wonder. Yeah. Uh, let me let me let me. See. Well, I'll have to. Do, what, let, let me let me see something here. Um, oh, does that do the same thing? Yes. Well. Uh, well, let me see. Can you make it out? I will have to. Right, thank you, yes. Yeah, verse 11, verse 11, yeah. Now, did you get the other one on uh, 11? Yeah, 31. Yeah, sorry. All right, if we can get through this one, I'll fix this <laughs> afterwards. But it's, uh, we're not, we're not, uh, actually I brought a TV screen, and that's what I usually use. Uh, it's a high definition, so. Um, okay, well, <clears throat> sorry about that. Um, 1211. 1211. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then here, the, uh, that'll be 9:25 through 27 of Daniel 9, where uh, Daniel foretold the baptism and the crucifixion of Christ. <clears throat> Let me see. Here we have the 490 years, or the, that's 70 week prophecy. I'm hoping it'll be, it'll stay in, I think it will. These are the events uh, leading up to the baptism of Christ, 27 AD. And when, when the time was ready, there, there's two, two uh, aspects of Christ's ministry, or, or not, not be two, two aspects, two things that pointed to 27 AD. Number one, you remember how old he was when he was baptized, when he ended his public ministry? 30. 30. What, what is that, what did the, the age 30, what does that have, have to do with anything in the Old Testament? Huh? Yes, a priest. Priest began his work at the age of 30. Now, they, he could do it anywhere from 30 to 50. 50 was over, but, but uh, Christ started at the age of 30, which he, uh, and, and this was just before his uh, uh, baptism, probably, um, or yeah, about that time. Uh, he was not born on December 25. <laughs> but, um, and, and by the way, the, the, uh, and then the, you have the stoning of Stephen. 
when the, the high priests, they were the ones that they had to make their own incense. And they got uh, precious uh, fragrant flowers and frankincense and different things. They bought, they had to buy some of this from the east, different places. And I read, uh, there was a man who studied the Passover for, uh, I think, 45 years, just the Passover. And he's the one that came out with this, that, that the, uh, uh, the incense, they made enough incense before they began their public ministry, so they didn't have to do it after, after that period of time. And that incense represents the, the righteousness of Christ, his character. Now, it, it may not have been fully developed by that time, but within three and a half years after that, when he died on Calvary, his, his righteous, righteous robe, not for himself, but for us, was, uh, was completed. And, uh, and he, he ministers that uh, incense in heaven today for us. And, but anyhow, 31 AD was the year that he died. And 27 AD and 31 AD especially are, are pointed out in the book of Daniel, uh, centering in Christ. And here's another one that, uh, especially the cross, again, 31 A.D., and that was the 70-week prophecy of Jesus as the Messiah. That, okay. Now, here, uh, also, uh, uh, he shed light on the future of Christ, uh, the, crucifi- uh, the crucifixion. And <clears throat> this is central uh, to the book of Daniel. Even in chapters, uh, chapter 3, Christ went into the fire, <laughs> with, with the, those who were being crucified. <laughs> they should have died. But he went in there and prevented them from dying. And in Daniel uh, chapter 6, that's the great uh, statement of righteousness by faith. He would rather die than, uh, than, than stop the connection with, uh, with, Christ, with God. And uh, the, uh, but these are all dealing with these. Now, uh, the book of Daniel and Jesus, uh, we're Daniel chapter by chapter, leads us to Christ. And uh, if this one, <clears throat> and we're to learn, uh, learn from the, cru- uh, the cru- crucifixion of Jesus. Um, let me see here. Yeah, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar was converted when he looked heavenward. And it, <clears throat> this, it, this is about brought out in chapter 4. And we'll look at that more closely. We'll go through chapter, chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, dealing with his conversion experience. Uh, Belshazzar lifted up his heart in pride, and uh, let's let's take a look at Habakkuk chapter two. The, Habakkuk was written probably about twenty years before uh, the captivity, and um, in the uh, and that's the one that says that the that the just shall live by faith. And uh, but there's another there's another uh, statement in there that's interesting, uh, probably. Yeah, verse, verse 4. Uh, well, let's read 3 and 4. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Uh, the word proud here is a word that means something is puffed up. I've got a picture of a big toad. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I'll show it to you later. But this is the condition of Nebuchadnezzar as well as the whole Babylonians. They were puffed up in their pride. And God was, and, and the, the Jewish people had uh, gotten into the pagan practices. And so their experience was, was no different than the Babylonians. And so God took away their, 
their, um, the very things that he had given them uh, to help them to understand uh, what he would do for them. He took those away so that they'd go into, into paganism and learn their lessons the hard way. But this is a lesson about 20 years before the, uh, before the captivity. Ten years before the captivity, Jeremiah, someone mentioned Jeremiah earlier. Chapter 6, he said, this is the name whereby he shall be known, Christ, or the Lord our righteousness. This is talking about Christ. And then in chapter 23, there's some changing in the wording. It says, uh, this is the name whereby she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. So he's dealing with the church here. And this was about a, one year before the captivity. The Lord was still trying to bring in a message of salvation to them. And this had started uh, maybe 150 years before in the book of Isaiah. Uh, chapter 1, come let us reason together, though your skin, sins be as scarlet, uh, they shall be as white as snow. And, and then chapter 53, the picture of the suffering uh, sacrifice. So God was working with them all through that time. And they still refused. And so he took away the emblems that represented Christ and sent them into captivity, where they, so, some of them learned, learned a lesson there. But, um, um, and then uh, Habakkuk, of course, is uh, basic for the New Testament teaching of, of, uh, of um, righteousness by faith, justification by faith. All right, I want to, uh, yeah, this is going to fit on the screen here. Uh, <clears throat> go through, um, this, is, this, this is going to be kind of a summary. If we spent each, if we looked at every chapter, uh, by looking at scripture, we wouldn't get through. So I want to give the overview, and then we'll look at some of the details next, uh, next time. Uh, in, in chapter 1, Christ is pictured as Lord. And this word Lord is uh, uh, it's either Adon or, or Adonai, and it's sometimes used as, as a substitute for Yahweh, and this is clearly Christ. Christ is in charge both of, uh, of uh, judgment and of salvation. And so here we have a picture of judgment where uh, it says he gave the Israelites into the hand of the Babylonians. And, uh, and uh, that's in the first three verses. Then in chapter 2, and we're, again, we're going to look at this a little more closely. The, the doctrine of the, of, the, of the Babylonians, remember what they said when they, they, uh, their king said, now I want you to tell me what, about this dream that I have had. He said, I don't remember what it is and I don't know what it means. And, and they said, well, give us some information. You tell us what you dreamt, then we'll, we'll tell you what it is. No, no. He said, if you, if you uh, understand this, you tell me what it was, and uh, if not, off of the head. <laughs> and so, he wasn't stupid. No, he knew. Well, he knew he had been deceived by these people. And so everybody got the death decree. But they, they, it's interesting what they said. They said, this is a hard thing. Only the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. <laughs> this is the God of the Babylonians. The God of the Christian, the God of the Bible, is one who dwells in flesh. Not just 2,000 years ago, but he dwelt in the flesh of Daniel. It was because of his relationship with God, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that's what Daniel gave. And, uh, and so this is, uh, this is, this is uh, central, I believe, to the book of uh, chapter 2. In chapter 3, he's known as the, the Son of God. Now, it was Nebuchadnezzar who said, when he saw him in the flames, he said, it looks like the Son of God. How did he know that? 
Okay, Daniel and the three Hebrews that were in. I'm sure they were there too, because this now the Septuagint has a time frame between uh, about 18 years between chapter two and chapter uh, three. Uh, chapter uh, chapter one, chapter one and leading into two, Daniel was probably he was a teenager, and so if you have 18 years, he they would have been in the early 30s by chapter three. So these are in fact, uh, in in the first part of the book it calls them children. In chapter three, they're called men. <laughs> so, and, and as Nebuchadnezzar, he knew he knew by their their voice, they spoke about God, and they knew by their uh, their health practices, they knew that his, their educational principles, and their sterling character. He knew uh, that this was the son of God by by conversing with these uh, young men, and Daniel. In chapter four, he is the justifier. And we'll look at this. This is the conversion of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And we're told in the spirit of prophecy, she asks the question, what is justification by faith? She said, it's the work of God in laying the glory of man in the dust and then doing for him that which he cannot do for himself. And that's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, so then, then in chapter 5, you have uh, Christ as judge. Uh, you mean the handwriting on the wall? Belshazzar and Daniel came to him and or he, he well first of all the, the queen mother told uh, Belshazzar she said there is a man in whom the spirit of God dwells <laughs> and so when Daniel came into the presence of Belshazzar he said I know I've heard <laughs> that the spirit of God dwells within you so this is God manifest in the flesh even the pagans recognized it and uh, we'll, we'll consider that a little bit later but Christ was judged there and then in chapter 6, he is God, again, full, uh, all of it, God. But he, uh, he is the one that the, the Persian king said, your God is able to deliver you <laughs> when you're going to go into the, into the, into the uh, lion's den. And it said, he, how long did he try to prevent Daniel from going in? He, he loved Daniel. He was very close to Daniel. Huh? So the sun went down. He tried every way possible. Why couldn't he do it? He was a king. He couldn't change his own law. He couldn't change his own law. That's right. It's interesting too that these these creatures in chapter seven, they're all we find them again in the book of uh, Revelation chapter thirteen. The paws of that beast were the, represent the laws of the Medes and Persians. When the laws come down in chapter thirteen of Revelation, that law cannot be changed. That's the Sunday law. <laughs> it cannot be changed because of the law of the Medes and Persians. Only God can change it. Revelation 13. Yeah. All of the beasts of chapter 7 are, are found in chapter 13. It's an amalgamation. One beast, but it's got all these creatures, all the, all the evil traits of Daniel 7 are in the papal beast of chapter 13. You've got the lion. What, what, what nation represented was Babylon. Babylon, yeah, and the mouth speaking great things. What was what was the the the, the body? Remember what? Huh? Leopard. What? There'd be Greece, yeah. This would be the educational system of Greece, and that's the basis uh, for Catholicism for their their scholastic uh, studies. Um, ten horns. What? Okay, the nondescript beast divided into seven, and also chapter twelve, I believe it is, 
you have the devil with, with the ten horns. So you see a connection there of paganism and, and spiritualism together. And, uh, <clears throat> but, and these are some of the things that are, that are brought out in the book of Revelation, but they're based on the book of Daniel. And I was trying to think of that. Let's see, we've got the leopard, the... The bear, the paws of the bear. That would be the laws of Medes and Persians. There should be four. Let's see, Babylon, Medes, Greece. Oh, yeah, we got them. We got all four of them. Yeah, but they're all. Hmm? Yeah, the mouth of the lion would be which would be Babylon. Yeah. In other words, what you're saying is the papacy is an accumulation of all these four kingdoms, all combined. The characteristics yes. of four kingdoms are combined right in the papacy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Of course, the, the Medo-Persian law not being changed would also, in my mind, fit into the, their claim to infallibility. Yes. Yeah. This, yes. Mm-hmm. It has to be. But I've never heard the statement like you just made about the Sunday law not being changed. Yeah. Or, you know, not changed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Once it'll be, it become constitutional. It would have. It would take a constitutional amendment again to reverse it. Yeah. That's what they've been working on that since 1863. Yeah, the, the National Reform Movement, uh, the Blair Sunday Bill uh, started, uh, that was, uh, they tried to enact that in 1888, and uh, they couldn't get it through. There were, there were, this is on the federal level, there were, there were state laws, there were Adventists who died in prison because of Sunday breaking, uh, but it was not a federal law, and it has never been a federal law yet, but that's the big one that's coming. There have been, they're still on the books. Uh, I remember, oh, maybe I could share a, I had a very close uh, Presbyterian friend, and uh, we used to discuss the Sabbath and Sunday issue. He was on the national, not the national, but the state level, trying to re, uh, reinstitute or reaffirm the uh, Sunday blue laws in the state of Pennsylvania. And I was on the local level. I was not overly active, but uh, I sided with the Jews and the liquor keepers. <laughs> what should they? Seventh-day Adventist. Huh? No, they, they want to be open on Sunday. That was it. They want to shut everything down. <clears throat> no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tip the bottle. But the principle, I was, I was going on the principle. And, uh, and we, so we discussed these things. He kept inviting me to come to his church. I'd done some programs in his church uh, before that. And he said, oh, he said, I'd like to have you come worship with us. And I just put it off. It had no burden at all, you know, and... and uh, and one day, the Lord awakened me early Sunday morning, this one Sunday morning. You need to go to the Presbyterian Church. <laughs> so I did, my wife and I. I don't like that we were talking about, someone was talking about earlier about I, when I used to go to movies, if I were five minutes late, I wouldn't even go in. I just, I hate, hate to be late. <laughs> but I was late this day uh, on the Sunday, Sunday service. The deacon marched my wife and I down, sat us on the front row. <laughs> and, this guy was just coming out, and he, he, was, he was a big man, long legs, big mustache, and always smiling. He just, and he was just really coming out like this. And he got to the pulpit, he looked around with this big smile, and he saw me, he said, oh, no. <laughs> he says, of all days for the Seventh-day Adventist preacher to be here is today. He said, I've been going through the Ten Commandments, <laughs> and today we're dealing with the fourth one. <laughs> And I just smiled. <laughs> and then he got very serious. He looked at his congregation. And I, um, and I didn't know this, but he said, you know, he said, we've lost the battle on the Sunday Blue Law. They've declared it unconstitutional. I didn't know that. that, that, was in, that was a, that's the state level. <clears throat> and then he said this. 
He said, I guess we're going to have to observe Sunday as the Seventh-day Adventists do the Sabbath by faith alone. <laughs> now, now, can you observe something that's not in the Bible by faith alone? It's impossible. And, <laughs> and I don't remember if I told him this or not, but uh, I have talked with other people. I said, you know, you cannot keep the Sabbath unless you have faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, it's legalism. You can never keep Sunday by faith. Sabbath is a sign of righteousness by faith. Sunday is a sign of salvation by works, by man's works. And there's going to be a whole lot of switching going on. There are many Adventists who are observing the Sabbath from a legalistic standpoint. When the test comes, they're going to accept Sunday as the sign of their experience. There are many honest-hearted Sunday keepers who love the Lord with all their heart. They're keeping Sunday to the best of their ability. When the issues are crystal clear, it's going to be but one small step from keeping Sunday to keeping the Sabbath as a sign of their relationship with Christ. It's coming. In fact, I think it's, we're right on the verge of this sort of thing. But these are some of the issues. All right, we need to get back, get back here uh, to this. Uh, chapter 7, uh, we mentioned that earlier. Uh, Christ, his title is the Son of Man. It was the Son of Man coming to the Ancient of Days in uh, 1844 is the time frame. And then chapter 8, he's called Palmoni. In fact, let's, uh, maybe we can go to that one. This is a good one because he is the one, uh, this Palmoni is the one who gave the 2300-day prophecy, and this is none other than Christ. In uh, chapter 8 and verse uh, 13, he says, I heard a holy one speaking, this evidently was a, an angel, um, and another holy one, he said to that certain one who was speaking, how long will be the vision concerning the daily transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, this is that certain one, said to me, 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. That word certain, if you have an old King James, uh, you'll find two re marginal references. One is it's called the wonderful numberer, and the other is the revealer of secrets. This is a picture of Jesus Christ. The 2300-day prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. The word, um, the, the, word is, the title or the name of it is Palmoni, the Hebrew word. Uh, and uh, the, um, uh, it's, it's related to two, word, uh, two uh, experiences in the, in the Old Testament. Um, chapter 9, verse 6 of the book of Isaiah. Where it says, this is, a this is the name that he shall be called. Wonderful. <laughs> the everlasting father, the prince of peace. That word wonderful is related to that word palmoni. And there's another one. It wasn't Esther. Oh, Ruth. Ruth is the one. The first, uh, first chapter of Ruth. Uh, the, the, uh, the man that should have been her husband turned it down. And uh, Boaz became the first of kin. But the first of king, kin is um, related to the word palmoni. And, and both of these are types of Christ. He is the next of kin. And uh, uh, Boaz represented him, finally taking, taking that place. But he's also the wonderful counselor. 
And that's the background for, the, for this book, uh, Palmoni. And, and this is Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about it. That he is the one. So when, when people attack the 2300-day prophecy, they're attacking the testimony specifically of Jesus Christ. He's the one that gave it. An angel did not give it. Christ is the one. He's the certain one. And then he told, he did tell an angel, he said, make him understand what this means. But it was Christ who gave the prophecy. Yeah. So, and then Gabriel was given, uh, was later he, he came, chapter 9, he's the one that gave the 70 week prophecy. Yeah. What verse was that in chapter 8? Uh, verse 13. Yeah. Okay, uh, <clears throat> moving on here. Um, in chapter 9, he's crucified. Uh, in chapter, well, uh, beginning with 24, it's the 70 week prophecy. And then uh, 25 and 26 and 27 talks about, uh, he's called the Messiah, the Prince. Maybe we can go there. Um, it's a wonderful uh, prophecy. Verse 25 Know therefore and understand that from the, from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah, the Prince, there should be seven weeks, 62 weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. After the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Who is it for? Yeah, you, you and me. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, that word cut off is the one that was used for circumcision. <clears throat> it means a cutting off of the flesh, cutting off of life. And um, in fact, there was a death penalty if uh, if they didn't if they didn't do it, you remember when Moses was going back to uh, uh, Egypt, he had two sons. Evidently, he had circumcised the oldest son, but he didn't the second one. And evidently, because his wife, who was not raised as a Jewish lady, and she thought uh, the suffering of the oldest one was, uh, she didn't want to see that with the second one. But she knew exactly when it looked like Moses was being struck down with death. She immediately uh, circumcised that second boy. It's the same word that's used here. And, uh, and Moses would have been cut off uh, in judgment. And there's the same word that's used with Abraham when he circumcised. And uh, so that, that's kind of the background. But it's, it's connected with the, co uh, the covenant, the blood of the covenant, which is Christ, is shed by him. Uh, one other thing here uh, in this. Um, in, in the Jewish... Um, Jewish way of thinking, they many times will give you the um, result of something and then they'll show you the reason. For instance, uh, the Christ is the basis, basis for uh, judgment. And then you have the time element in chapter 8, 2300 days. Christ was crucified, that's basic. Then you have chapter 8, uh, as the, the time element. And then in chapter 7, you have Christ as the Son of Man going into the judgment. But this is the basis of it right here. And you find that the same thing in Revelation 14, 12. It says, it talks about God's people. Here's the patience of the saints. Here they keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. In Hebrew thinking, you'd start with, I mean, they start with the end result of patience. But number one is faith, the faith of Jesus. That leads to the, keeping the commandments of God, and that's what brings patience. So it's, uh, it's, it's uh, Jewish or Hebrew thinking, yes. I'm trying to start from the last word back to um, the pronouncement, for instance. Yes. Where, where, where it's 
claim to be um, justified in Christ in the blood, well, then he gives that to us as his spirit. Starts yeah. With the idea of and it makes us yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, good. All right. So we'll go on here now. In chapter 10, he's called the prince. And you find, well, you find it uh, actually in, in chapter 9, he's called prince. We just read that. Chapter 10, he's prince. Chapter 11, he's prince, prince of the covenant. And then in chapter um, 12, he's called the prince of the people. So every chapter in the book of Daniel is centered in Christ. They, it either flows to him or uh, goes from him, as we mentioned earlier, that every doctrine should either start with Christ or end with Christ. And, uh, and we find that in the book of uh, uh, Daniel. Now, we'll go over this again from a different standpoint uh, later on. I, I don't think we'll have time today. But in fact, what time do we close it? 20 more minutes. Huh? Yeah, 20 more minutes. 20 more minutes? Okay, okay. Uh, <clears throat> now, so here... Uh, in uh, Daniel, the wisdom and the power of God are revealed. Were, it was revealed in Christ, or it was revealed in Daniel, but also in Christ Himself, chapter three especially. Well, even you go chapter one, you have Christ as the Lord, who, in His infinite wisdom, uh, sent the Jewish people into captivity that, so they could get a religious experience. Um, he took away the very objects of worship, uh, the sanctuary, all that was taken away from them. So they get a, heart, a heartfelt religion. And some did, some didn't. But uh, uh, from this book, we've, already, we've learned that the time of Christ's baptism, the time of his crucifixion, and the title, the Son of Man. Um, we've looked at this in before, too. Okay, here. Oh, I mentioned this before. I guess we can go through this a little. Um, the year he died is brought out in Daniel 9, 26 through 27, 31 A.D., the, year, the month that he died, Exodus 20, sometimes you'll read Abib or sometimes Nisan, but it's the same month depending on a secular or religious. Um, and then you have uh, the same, the day he died was the 14th day of that month. And then you find that in Exodus 12. And then the third hour he was crucified, Mark 15, 25. That was the, that was the beginning of the morning sacrifice. And then he died at the time of the evening sacrifice. You remember in the temple, I think in the Tsar of Ages especially, when she brings out that at the very moment that Christ died, the priest was sac going to sacrifice the evening sacrifice. But the, do you know what happened to the lamb? Huh? He got, away. got away, that's right. The night, he was absolutely terrified. And, uh, but the true lamb was slain. And he was slain at the very hour that the animal sacrifice should have been given. But Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Got that? Not yet. Uh, not yet? Okay. Yeah. Christ was on time. Uh, chapter 3, isn't it, of Ezekiel? I think it is. There's a time for everything under the sun. A time to live and a time to die. <laughs> Ecclesiastes, yeah. oh, thank you. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, starts with E. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All righty, got it. Okay. All righty, <clears throat> we'll move on to this one again. Christ in the Book of Daniel. Um, here now, we're not going to be able to cover all of this. We'll look at it. We've looked at a little bit by chapter. There's a, a literary form also, and I don't think we're going to be able to get into that because it's uh, maybe some of it. I don't know. 
but in prophecy. And we already talked about the purpose of prophecy is that Christ can be formed within as the hope of glory. And uh, <clears throat> but these are three three areas that um, that I think are are uh, well worth looking at. Um, <clears throat> and this one is the one in uh, by chapter. We looked at that somewhat, but here is an outline of of this. Christ is the sovereign Lord. He's the dwell who He's the God who dwells with flesh. He's called the Son of God in chapter three, the one who justifies in chapter four, the one who judges chapter five. We looked at this earlier, but it's, uh, I'm doing this for a purpose here. This is the God who delivers in chapter seven. Seven, He's the Son of Man. Chapter eight, He's the Wonderful Numberer, the Reveal of Secrets, Palmoni, Prince of the Host. And then Messiah the Prince, chapter 9. He's the chief prince in chapter 10. Prince of the Covenant, chapter 11. The great prince, the man clothed in linen, in chapter 12. So again, just a little addition to what we talked about earlier here. Um, now, we're going to look at something. No, we, we, we looked at the chapters as they're, they're given in Daniel. But let's look at the chronological order. Uh, J Jerusalem fell in 605. <clears throat> 602, the Babylonian education was tested and they found that it was lacking. Uh, the Jewish educational system was far superior. And uh, then uh, <clears throat> there was about 18 years between chapter 2 and chapter 3, according to the Greek Old Testament. And th this was forced worship. Um, chapter 4, uh, Nebuchadnezzar conversion. Chapter 7, now, how come seven is there? <laughs> this is the chronological order of the book of Daniel. Chapter eight follows. So you've got your uh, first year of Belshazzar, then the third year of Belshazzar. Chapter five is the last year of Belshazzar. Now, there's a reason for this. We'll, we'll see, uh, see it from this a little bit. First year of Darius is 539. And then the first year, of, of again, of Darius, chapter nine. And then the third year of Cyrus in chapter 10, uh, 10 through 12. Now, in this, notice here, chapter 7 and 8, if we have it in chronological order, we've got Christ as the center of the, of the book of Daniel. The Son of Man, chapter 7, and he's the wonderful number in chapter 8. So you have the investigative judgment here, and you have the time of it in chapter uh, 8. This is in the chronological order of, uh, of the book. Yeah. 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 Okay, so one through four. Well, one four. Uh, this is all. Uh, this is all in, in um, numerical order. Okay. Gotcha. And then chapter five follows chapter eight in time. Okay. And that yes. Uh huh. Um, here, again, um, judgment is investigative. The cleanse of the sanctuary together. This is the center of the, actually the center of the book. Um, the high, it's the highlight. <clears throat> Chapter 8, actually, it looks like the, um, in verse 14, <clears throat> is the high point of the whole book. Because up, up until chapter uh, 8, in verse 14, you've got prophetic, you've got the stories in, in the first six chapters, and then you've got prophetic information. <clears throat> not, it's not completely revealed at that time. But from chapter 8 on, then with the exception of chapter 9, you have literal history, chapter 10 through 12. But you've got interpretation. Chapter 9 is even it's an interpretation of chapter, of chapter 8. 
And so you've got, there's a difference. But the high point is uh, verse, uh, verse 14 of the book of Daniel. And I've got a chart. I don't have it here. I don't think I've got it here with me. The high point in the book of Leviticus is chapter 16. What is chapter 16 deal? Day of Atonement. <laughs> and so all the, the book of uh, Leviticus flows to that Day of Atonement and then it recedes from that. <clears throat> Up until the first part has to do with the Daily Atonement, which was justification by faith. After the Day of Atonement, we're seeing sanctification. So you got both of them bound up. But the center of the book of Leviticus, as in Daniel, <clears throat> is the Day of Atonement. Then in the book of Solomon, and this is uh, the, the wedding feast, is another picture of atonement. In chapter, chapter 4, the last part of chapter 4, the first part of chapter 5 of the book of Sol Solomon, in the Hebrew language, the exact number of words <laughs> from the first part to the, the apex, when the, when the bride-to-be invites the husband-to-be. <laughs> and so that's the high point on the Day of Atonement. The wedding feast, and uh, and so you got all three of these. You got Day of Atonement in Daniel, Day of Atonement in Leviticus, Day of Atonement in uh, in uh, the Song of Solomon, As a, but a different a different images. I remember a man asked me. He said, "Jerry, have you ever studied uh, the relationship between the Day of Atonement and the marriage?" And I said, "No, I've heard about it, but I've never looked at it." And so I began to study it. And in a truly Jewish wedding, the Bride-to-be, or the you know, bride-to-be, the uh, wife-to-be, and the husband-to-be go through a purification rite, similar to the Day of Atonement. <clears throat> and it's not just a judgment, but it's a, it's a day, day of cleansing, and they come, to, come together. And, and so it's a symbol of the Day of Atonement. And they, it'd be the conservative Jews that practice that. I don't know about the liberals if they do it or not, but it's a, it's a fascinating study. But Jesus ties this in with the marriage. Remember, uh, the man came who... Didn't have on a wedding garment. That was judgment, but it was in the, it was the context of a, of a of a wedding, and 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 that's what we have in the last days. There are two women that are the most um, most significant in a wedding. You know who they are. Number one's the bride. Number two, the flower girl. The flower girl. Why? Okay. Well, what? Well, <clears throat> there's something else. She she doesn't even know what's going on. She does well. She doesn't really know what's going on. But she knows what's going to happen afterwards. <clears throat> the cake and ice cream. <laughs> but <clears throat> the bride has only eyes for the bridegroom, right? And he has only eyes for her. They're not interested in the cake and ice cream. Now, the church is pictured both as a flower girl and a bride. And I think we're still in the flower girl, flower girl stage. We're, we're interested in the cake and the ice cream. But the time is coming when we're only going to see Jesus. The flower, the flower girl will grow up and become a beautiful bride. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> All righty. So where are we at? Okay, cleansing. Let's see. Uh, Christ by chapter. We've, we've already looked at that somewhat. Um, oh, maybe I do have it. 
Ah, uh, here. What, how's the how's time? Maybe we can do a little, little. 45, 10 minutes? Okay. Maybe we can go through part of this. <clears throat> In physical strength and beauty and mental vigor and literary attainment, they, speaking about the four Jewish young men, they stood unrivaled. Prophets and Kings 485. Um, English poetry, a piece of literature written in meter or verse, usually. Uh, poems or verse. We have alliteration, repetition of sounds at the beginning of words. Right? Can you think of any? Peter Piper picked the deck. <laughs> okay, yeah. You say it fast. <laughs> uh, but that, that's an alliteration, and that's one of the forms of uh, English um, uh, poetry. Um, rhyme, we have uh, a regular uh, corresponding sound also. Songs are, are forms of uh, poetry. And uh, in, uh, here's one, O worship the King, O glorious above, O gratefully sing his wonderful love, O shield and defender of the ancient of days, pavilion in splendor and girded in praise. So you've got the rhyming at the end of each, uh, each phrase here, each line. <clears throat> now, in, uh, in the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, you have what they call a chiasm. It's simply an X. It's a Greek uh, form of X. Uh, it's a literary form which is seen in the repetition of subjects rather than of lines or, or uh, propositions or parallelism. Um, can you see from over there? Should I move, move over the other way? Uh, the word chiasm comes from the Greek letter chi, which means X. This is what it looks like. And, <clears throat> and you got usually, uh, you, you'll either have it going up like this or like, like this, the C in the center here. So this is the most stately and dignified presentation of a subject. It's always used in the most solemn and important prose, uh, portions of the scripture. Uh, <clears throat> they provide a powerful visual reinforcement to learning. They help us to retain important concepts through image association. They add a fresh and vital new dimension to the study of scriptures. An old Chinese proverb says, I hear and I forget. I see and I remember. It's an immense help to literary appreciation to have the form of a piece of literature conveyed directly to the eye instead of having to collect the form by inference while reading. Um, here, this, is, this would be an outline prophecy now of the book of Daniel. Uh, chapter 2 is the image of a man, and down here an outline prophecy of, the, of men. Chapter 10 through uh, two, uh, 12, verse 2. And then you have uh, chapter 1 and chapter 12, the last part of chapter 12, are the beginning, the introduction, and the ending. Uh, uh, B, you have the na narrative history of God's people in exile, and that's 3 through 6. And then you have the prophetic history of God's people after the exile in chapter 9. And then in chapter 7 and 8, you have the outline prophecy of the beasts with the horns, and you have the outline prophecy in chapter 8, beasts and the horns. Not identical, but they're still dealing with the same concepts. And in the middle of that, you have the prophecy of the Son of Man or Palmoni. So again, the, the literary device is the same as your, uh, the historical. And, and, um, and it's called a chiasm. And here you have the center of it, of course, is uh, Christ. Um, let's see. Again, we, we talked about this earlier. But the same idea here. Another one, Daniel 2 and 7. 
you have four empires in chapter 2. You have four empires in chapter 7. And, uh, and then you have force and faith in verse 3. Either, either you do what I command you or you're going to die. And, uh, and then same thing in chapter 7. Um, this one, we believe, will have to do somewhat with the, um, with the Sunday law. And this one will be dealing with, uh, with righteousness by faith uh, with God's people in the last days. Uh, the, uh, I was trying to think of... Um, oh, yeah, on the, on the fire. Uh, how do you know that was really a f- fire? These guys didn't get burned up. Could have been imaginary. Huh? Okay. okay. <clears throat> the king ordered that it, be, that it would be... Uh, the fire would be stirred up Seven times hotter. Why did he say something like that? He was mad. Huh? He was mad. He was mad. No, he was mad, yeah. But why would he? I mean, they would have burned up anyhow in a common fire. Why did he pick seven? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He was very angry. He was angry. There's no doubt he was angry. Do you think he might have had an idea that God might deliver his people? He was trying to Oh, well, he said, Who is that God? Yeah. Exactly, yes. Yeah. But he must have been under conviction even then. Because the young man, they said, <clears throat> they said, <clears throat> we don't want to go in the fire. I mean, that's, that's we don't want to die. But if it has to be, we will. And, uh, and he, he had to be thinking of what was going on. And yes. He had heard a prophecy, but still built the statue all gold. Yes. And so he's refining himself for God. That's right. And so he says, we'll see which one wins. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had already acknowledged God's power in Romans chapter 3. Yes, exactly. And one, yeah. Yes, yes. He had already had evidence, and he said, I'm going to fight it. That's right. And we're going to look at some of this when we get into Nebuchadnezzar's conversion, because these are the things that that, uh, brought him along little by little. Yes, you have a thought. And I can compare it to today's world, where we tell people certain things, and we're trying to tell them the truth, and they come out and tell them, don't judge me. Yes, okay. And so when... Yeah, right, yes. Yeah, no, there were more than three that were not worshiping that image. There were Babylonians who weren't worshiping. <laughs> there were others than the three Hebrews who did not bow down to worship. There were some Babylonians who did not bow down. Yeah, that's right, the spies. <laughs> Their eyes were wide open. <laughs> they knew they knew these guys would not bow down. So they were Absolutely. <laughs> they were part of the group that uh, I don't Nebuchadnezzar liked the idea, but it was these presidents from different parts of the world that said, We need to have a holiday, we need to have an image that people need to bow down to when the music plays. By the way, there's six musical instruments. Six, 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 six different kinds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's right, that's right. Yeah. But, uh, and then with the, the, the king, he said, I see four, four men. One looks like the Son of God in the middle of the flames. You notice those three did not come out of the fire until he called them. <laughs> they stayed. Yeah, okay, yes, exactly, yeah, yes. And uh, they came out, no smell of smoke on their 
clothing or their hair, their, their hair wasn't singed. So Christ, who is the originator of fire, <clears throat> he is the light of the heaven, the light of the world, of the universe. And uh, a human fire can stand no chance. <laughs> Divine fire. Yes? Is there any information on what they used to build the fire with? Well, it would have been uh, probably charcoal. Um, they used, uh, these were uh, brick-making ovens. And you have to have the, the fire pretty hot to, uh, uh, and charcoal is usually the, they call it coking coal. And uh, <clears throat> it's a very hot, hot-burning coal. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, so we have, uh, <clears throat> these are issues in the last days. Force and faith, uh, chapter 3 and 7. And chapter 4, God's work of justification. And then chapter 5, when, when justification is refused for the last time, then comes God's work of judgment. And that's Belshazzar. When uh, Belshazzar knew the experience of his grandfather, he was very well acquainted with it. He rejected it all. And Daniel told him, he said, you knew this. And uh, so it wasn't the amount of light that he had. But so what, what did he do with what he had? And he just, he threw it out, yeah. He wouldn't, he would not accept the testimony of Christ. So, okay. Then <clears throat> uh, 8 through 12, <clears throat> again, you got kingdoms, prophecy, beasts, and horns. And in uh, chapters 10 through 12, you have kingdoms, prophecy, and men. But these are not prophecies. These are, well, be, we can maybe say it's a prophecy for us, but it's primarily history. <clears throat> the last part of it would be prophecy, um, part of uh, chapter 12. But, but essentially, you have, you have the prophecy, and then you have the fulfillment of it <clears throat> yeah, here. And then you have, uh, in B, you have trial, prayer, corporate repentance, confession of sins, chapter 9, 1 through 16. This is the prayer of Daniel. He identified himself with his people. He didn't say, I'm better than they. They're terrible sinners. I'm, I'm holy. No, he said, we have sinned against you. And then in uh, the trial prayer for forgiveness of sins and restoration of the temple. And that's in chapter 9. <clears throat> and that would be, uh, again, the work, work of Christ as well. But um, so, Daniel 12 is another one. Michael stands up, chapter 1, or verse 1 rather. Daniel shall stand in the judgment in verse 13. Then you have the wise shall shine, verse 3. And the wise shall understand, verse 10. Uh, then you have the time of the end, verse 4. You have the time of the end repeated in verse 9. And then in the middle, you have time times and a half. So in chapter 12, you have that same, you have a chiastic structure uh, of that. And it's just, it's things like this that have helped me to understand the central points in, in, the, in the book of Daniel. And, uh, okay, all right. Oh, okay. That's I thought. Yes. Maybe if it's all right, I'll say something. Here. There was a gentleman here oh. a year or two ago at camp meeting that spoke on chiasms. Oh yes. Ellen White's writings, and I can't even remember his name. But it's the, the point is that if you have a chiastic structure in writings, the way it comes out in the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy, it's impossible that the human mind could have assembled all that and orchestrated it. You yeah. Know it's a tremendous I've, proof of inspiration. Yeah. I would. I would say, especially with Ellen White, she had no literary training whatsoever. Just, 
He shows chapter after chapter how in great controversy these are. Yeah. She's, she's, her writings are chiastic. I didn't, I didn't hear that, but I've heard about it. But that's, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And that is, it's, uh, God, God is a poet. <laughs> God is a singer. <laughs> what? That is one of my most favorite texts. I used to think God was a, um, a tyrant, that he tried to keep as many people out of heaven as he could. And I thought the only way you can get into heaven is get by him. Jesus was all right, but the Father, no. Until I read, uh, that was Zephaniah 3.17, My God, our God shall sing over thee with rejoicing, with joy. What a wonderful uh, promise. Yeah. All righty, I think we're probably out of time now, aren't we? Oh, yeah, a little bit over, sorry. Well, we didn't get started on time, so let's pray. Father, thank you again for the wonderful book of Daniel. And we thank you especially for Jesus as, we've, as we observe him in and throughout the prophecies. May he, be, may he be within us by his spirit. Through your word, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.